Welcome to Cook, Eat, Nourish, the podcast with me, Fiona Staunton of Fiona's Food for Life. In today, episode two, I will be interviewing Dr. Kira Kelly, a medical doctor specializing in public health and founder of the IrishBalance.com. Make sure you listen to the end of the interview to hear her three top tips to help improve the health of the nation. Hi, Kira. Thanks a million for joining me. Hi, Fiona. Thanks for having me. Very glad to have you here. Um, I wonder if you might tell, uh, give an introduction of yourself to my audience. Yeah, sure. So my name is Dr. Kira Kelly. Um, I am a medical doctor working in public health, and I also write a blog called The Irish Balance, um, which is also now a podcast, an Instagram page, a Twitter page, a Facebook page, and it's taken on all of these arms and legs. Fantastic. <laughs> and that's just on the side. That's just on the side, yeah. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about your career to date? Yeah, so I did my medical, well first of all actually I did a year of nutrition and dietetics um, when I was a student, so I applied for medicine, missed it by two little points, um, and then did nutrition and dietetics as my second choice, which I absolutely loved, but I decided I'd go back and try again, so I did the year of college, reapplied to medicine, and got in, so I did five years in Trinity, and then qualified, did my intern year, and then two what are called senior house officer years, so basically being a junior doctor for... Okay three years um, and I kind of got to a point where I'd done exams to allow me to specialise in a particular area of medicine and I was trying to figure out which one or which area I'd be like people might have heard of things like cardiology or gastroenterology or respiratory and I had been thinking about prevention in medicine and that phrase prevention is better than cure and um, it led me to a specialty called public health which is sort of like looking upstream at the problems at uh, the health problems that affect um, our population and try and figure out what the root causes of those are and how we can maybe prevent them from happening instead of trying to manage them downstream when they've already developed. So I did a master's last year in public health and nutrition and left the hospital for a year and it was fantastic. And now I'm specialising in public health. So I'm doing a training scheme with the Royal College of Physicians in Ireland and it's four years, so I'm just my first year now. Great. So, yeah, it's very long. Yeah. Good, yeah, I did have a lot of change in July is when all the doctors start their new jobs. So okay. I moved out, moved to Galway, started a new job, um, new apartment, new life. So it's been a lot and trying to keep the blog going alongside has been interesting, but I love it so far. Uh, it's, it's fascinating, yeah. It's great, great area of medicine. Okay, fantastic. Um, and why exactly did you choose to go into public health, do you think? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's something I get asked quite a bit. So public health is a little bit different, um, I suppose. As I said, it's it's more focused on, I suppose, the power of prevention in society. So it's not so much um, what I would have been doing during the first three years as a doctor. You know, my stethoscope around my, my neck, kind of day-to-day, maybe trying to like fight the fires of different diseases that were presenting. Um, I felt like I was seeing a lot of patients with the same kind of chronic health conditions that had developed throughout their lives and I got really curious about why those conditions were happening, why they were so prevalent, so things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, um, chronic lung disease for example, even dementia and ca- some cancers. And I thought, well, where, why is that happening? What's the genetic and environmental background to those? Um, so I started to think about that um, and that's why I moved into public health really to try and, um, I guess... Uh, figure out how to sort of make the phrase prevention is better than cure a reality. How do we integrate that into society? Yeah. How can we redesign our environment to make it more conducive to healthy lifestyles? How can we rebalance health inequalities that are really prevalent in society? Um, how can we prevent infectious diseases that we're seeing rise again? Things like measles, for example. Mm. Yeah, so I just really was fascinated by all of that. Um, I learned a huge amount through the Masters, definitely, because it is a very different area of medicine um, to kind of a typical hospital 
um, based stuff I was doing and it's different to primary care and kind of GP as well so um, that's kind of why I moved in I guess really sort of figure out where I could um, where I could learn more about prevention and how I could be part of change to bring more into day-to-day life I guess okay. a very long-winded answer to your question <laughs> and I guess your message probably then is that prevention is yeah better, prevention is better than cure I mean obviously acute medicine is life-saving if you have a raging pneumonia you need antibiotics you know if um, someone's having an acute heart attack they need acute intervention in the hospital um, and public health is a bit different public health kind of encompasses um, I suppose the acute side and looks at how we deliver those services but also then looks at why those conditions developed in the first place and what were the person's risk factors but what also was in the environment that might have shaped um, I guess that person's risk for a particular condition and that's just the tip of the iceberg I suppose on yeah okay great and your blog, I love the mm. name. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, so the blog started... Um, it's called The Irish Balance. It is, yeah, The Irish Balance. And the name came about because when I... So it's three years old, actually, as okay. of um, October at the moment. And when it started, um, I was working as an SHO. I just finished my intern year. I was doing a rotation in endocrinology. And I had seen a lot... I've done a lot of basically diabetes clinics and things. And I was thinking a lot about, um, I suppose, healthy lifestyle and, and the role that plays in, in our overall health and well-being. And I was also a junior doctor trying to be somewhat balanced and healthy myself while doing night shifts, weekends on call, trying to figure out how to eat well or even how to eat on a night shift, that kind of thing. And I started to think about that idea of balance and, you know, how we can try and bring a little bit of it into our lives. And it was kind of reflecting my own personal journey, which I'm trying to find a bit of balance too. And that's where the name came about. I am Irish. I was born in America, but I'm mostly Irish. And that's kind of where the name came from. It started out as initially kind of a, is this name kind of catching up? I don't know, but is that right? So I stuck with it. Um, and a friend of mine designed a logo for me, sort of with the history of, of how the name came about in mind. And so it's all kind of come full circle, which is really nice. Great. No, yeah, I love it. Yeah. And sustainable, healthy living. Mm. That's, that's your tag. I think that's great. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that tie came from a little bit of my own journey with sort of food and fitness. I think uh, when I started out kind of using the gym or trying to figure, I was playing a lot of sport as a kid basically and as a teenager, but when I moved into medicine, it was really hard to keep up those commitments, mm-hmm. as you can imagine. Um, so I started using the gym and was kind of the person who went in, jumped on the treadmill or the cross trainer for like 40 minutes, didn't know what weights were and, you know, just kind of was trying to, I suppose, get a bit sweaty and that kind of thing, you know. Um, and so over time, I feel like, what I've realised is that um, food, um, our relationship with food and our relationship with exercise should be sustainable and it should be good for us and there should be an element of balance in it. Um, it should be something that, from a food point of view, nourishes us as I know you're passionate about yourself and from exercise as well, it should be good for our physical and mental health but not too much or too little of, of that. Okay. Um, and so the sustainability piece came about um, as a result of that. And then the, the lifestyle part is just that, I suppose, if, you, if a healthy habit can be maintained every day and it doesn't negatively affect your physical and mental health, then I think it probably is sustainable. But a lot of the times what we see in social media um, might not be a picture of sustainability. We think people are in the gym 24-7 or they have perfect, picture-perfect meals all the time. Um, and the reality is it's not true. We all live really busy lives and sometimes, you know, yeah, we have to embrace that we, we are just definitely imperfect. So I suppose that's kind of where that came from. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah. Um, so it's an award-winning blog. Yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, personally, I'd love to know how, I think you've about 11,000 followers on, yeah. on Instagram, and you've said it's only over three years. Yeah, yeah. How did you, how did that all come about, and, and where did your, your main followers come, and what yeah. did you get your success down to? 
It's a good question. Sometimes I kind of realise that it sort of happened without me, not without me trying. It's it, That's probably not a fair thing to say. It's more that, I suppose for me, it's never been about the numbers of people that follow. It's about the quality of the following, if that makes sense. How much people engage with my content, what kind of content they engage with. Is it the topics uh, and the articles that I talk about or share, or is it the recipes, or is it a bit of both? Um, so how it's got to 11,000 times, I think that's not enough for how long I've been at it or how, long, how much time i put into it. But as I said, it's not about the numbers. I guess um, I think a, a strength of what I share in my blog and on my Instagram is just that I try and be authentic and I try and share the ups and the downs. And I suppose a real life um, insight into my day to day. And I try and make um, health information just a bit more accessible to someone who isn't a doctor or a medic or a healthcare professional and try and translate some of that science into an actionable message for someone. Um, so I hope that's the strength of it. Um, the, the award it won earlier this year was Best Nutrition and Science Blog, which for me was a, a really um, a really humbling thing yeah. to win because that's my goal is to, to make, I suppose, nutrition and science a bit more, uh, and medicine just a bit more accessible for people, that it's not this scary concept or something they can't understand. We all know it's too easy to Google anything along yeah. any of those three topics um, and we can be convinced that the worst is going to happen from having the common cold, you know? Yeah. So I wanted my blog to be, I suppose, a platform where people can access um, health information, healthy recipes, um, and not feel, I suppose, that there's any sort of smoke and dagger about it, or cloak and dagger about it. I'm not sure if I got that. Smoke and mirrors, that's it. Okay. Yeah, so I think hopefully that's the strength of how it's grown so, so much over the last three years. That's great. I, I love yeah. following it, so well done. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I noticed is you do lots of recipes. Yeah. So uh, can you tell me a little bit more about maybe where you go for those recipes, mm. or, or a little bit more about those recipes? Yeah. It's, I think I've always been a foodie, um, but trying to come up with new recipes came about because, like I say, as a junior doctor, uh, sometimes the food options in the hospital on the go, particularly on nights, aren't greatly limited to a vending machine and maybe nothing else. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to have something that I could, you know, I wanted to build up a bank of recipes that I had made myself and brought in. And also because when you're on a night shift, for example, at four in the morning, there's nothing open, like I say, bar a vending machine. So if you've got something in the fridge and then you can you know just at least have you know that it's going to nourish you and give you a bit of proper energy to keep you going so i guess my inspiration came from thinking about what ingredients i love the most and trying to come up with recipes that were kind of one pot style where i could make a few portions out of it freeze them up and be able to grab and go um after a busy day and then i suppose my like the other side of it is that i love trying recipes like other foodies like yourself um and seeing taking inspiration from people like yourself or um, Hazel Wallace, the food medic. I really yeah. enjoy following her. Daniel Davy is another mm, one who really enjoys her content. Um, there's a great art, people like Sinead, Delonte, Delicious, she's brilliant. Um, and BBC Good Food is also so, so handy. Um, so I take inspiration from a lot of different things. And then if I've been on holiday or been out to eat, not that I do those things a lot, but I love trying different cuisines and um, different, I suppose, ingredients. Um, from different places and taking inspiration from those. It might be just one ingredient, you know, and trying to figure out something like that. And do you have a plan on your, do you share a recipe a week or do you just share it every yeah. now and then or what way, do, do you I, have a set way? Yeah, I try to. I'm always trying to have a bit more organisation in my content. Every week I sit down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I suppose, and then it just goes to pot um, when the week takes off. But I, yeah, at least one recipe a week um, and I try and make something that I have made myself to have for let's say work lunches or work snacks or something like that and then maybe another recipe might be someone's like yours or Daniel Day's or um, 
anyone else that I follow um, or something seasonal um, I know it's something that's a big passion of yours mm. trying to think about what ingredients are in season and trying to like sample pumpkin at the moment is <laughs> like everywhere um, and trying to take a, a bit of inspiration from that too but yeah for my followers I try and get at least one recipe week out there whether on the blog or on Instagram or both um, and trying to keep up with that is tricky because typing a blog post for me is much easier than jumping it all down into an Instagram post mm. And um, so your head's in your phone a little bit more, but people like being able to save recipes um, or screenshot them and come back to them. So trying to meet the demand of what people like as well is, is what I try and do. And now that you're in Galway, you're mm. cooking for one. So yeah. what way have you adjusted how you cook these days? Yeah, batch cooking. Batch cooking. And that's definitely something that anyone who's watching who is cooking for one, it's definitely something I would say have a good think about. Like batch cooking, taking one or two hours at the weekend, or whatever your days off are, because people might mm. work shifts, um, and just doing a batch cook. So I try and do, I call them one pot wonders. <laughs> I'm not sure if they're wonders, but one pot, like a big curry or um, a dal, um, or like a bolognese sauce or something like that and either I'll freeze it if it's going to be later in the week or I'll take out a portion for the next night and freeze the rest. I try and do something smaller then for work lunches and it might be just making a big salad and doling out a few portions into lunch boxes um, and then overnight oats just yeah. one of the handiest breakfasts in the world. So yeah my freezer is probably one of my best friends. <laughs> do you have a takeaway? Um, the odd time but like from if we well it depends if I'm home my family live in Dublin and that's where I grew up um, and our like every once in a while we get a meal um, and I really enjoy their they have a lovely like mince turkey kale salad thing which is one of the most random combinations but it's really tasty um, but that would probably be one of the only ones I don't really use delivery or anything I know it's become very popular and there's a lot of restaurants like always a huge hugely popular foodie city yeah and actually a lot of the my favorite restaurants there would do delivery and things but i really enjoy cooking um and if it's been a really busy day and i'm just not bothered then i consider but actually i've never used delivery or just eat or any of those um yeah, yeah. 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 So they don't deliver to where i live anyway uh, okay um, so it wouldn't really become a thing but um i've seen a lot of them around Galway. but i really like cooking so i try and use it as an experience or an opportunity to try something new and like if people find it boring, like it's a great reason to put on a podcast or yeah. I play episodes for Raising Annie sometimes so I'm cooking. It's really great. I'm up to date on all seasons now. Um, so yeah, no, try not to. Try and cook. Cool. As possible, yeah. Okay, and then your, your podcast. So I remember um, from my listeners, last Christmas I um, came across Kira and had set herself a challenge to start a new podcast. So I think it was on St. Stephen's Day or just after? Yeah, like literally just before the new year. Yeah. Um, so yeah. she started a podcast, so I've been listening to them all since. So was, you really set yourself the challenge yeah. and looked it up. <laughs> Um, thankfully, she introduced inter- interviewed me for episode 24, so check that out if you like. Yeah, but um, just tell me a little bit about that and how mm. you've, you found that. So, yeah, I think it's we're probably all guilty of it, but social media can make it too easy to compare yourself. And I absolutely love podcasts, but I found myself wanting to start my own, but comparing what I thought I would be sharing with some of the brilliant podcasts that I really enjoy, thinking it's just not going to match up, people are not going to listen to it, it's going to be my voice, blah, blah, blah. But I really wanted to, A, share some topics in audio content, because um, I know myself, I love listening to things on the go, whether it's to and from work, or sometimes even in the gym, or out for a walk. And I wanted to bring what I was sharing to people, because blogs are brilliant, and I love my blog, but it's a lot to, to read and sit down and read. So, and I also thought there was just a real, a real need or a niche for, um, I suppose, a little bit of spotlight on what people in Ireland are doing in the health and wellness spheres. People like yourself, we were chatting about how to get people cooking at home, 
Um, I've had people on talking about fitness, about um, mental health, about social media. And I thought it would be a really nice idea to for try and get some Irish, um, I suppose, healthcare professionals or people in the health and wellness sphere um, or in the nutrition and cooking sphere like yourself just to share their story too. Um, and so I have been overthinking it for far too long and I decided it's a New Year's resolution that's going to begin on like literally the 1st of January. So I published my first episode on New Year's Eve and then just shared a few episodes of me chatting on different topics yes. and then built up a list of people I wanted to interview kind of as I did that. Um, it's on a bit of a, um, a hiatus at the moment just while I'm trying to get settled into Galway. Yes. I have a new kind of list of people that I'm hoping to interview come up to Christmas. So it's really fun. I think it's nice. You get to have a conversation and catch up with maybe someone that you haven't had a chance to and then you can share it and share a bit of value with people who are listening to it hopefully. Um, I love podcasts. I think they're great. Yeah, no, it's yeah, great. great. I, I listen to them all the time. Yeah. So as an educator in public health, do you mm-hmm. want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so as I said with my blog, I really try to, sorry this clip is not staying in, I really try to um, translate just some of what can seem like really confusing health information online. Um, I think that's as you point of view by yourself, it's so true with nutrition. It's true even with fitness, people wondering what the best way to work out is. And what I try and share with people, and this is relevant to public health, is that I suppose the basics of a healthy lifestyle in particular um, are really you know powerful in terms of their benefits for our health, and they don't have to be complicated. Like we know, for example, that just over a third of Irish adults um, eat their five a day, like five green vegetables a day. And increasing that number of people, that proportion of people that do that alone would have massive benefits at the population level for the, our overall health. Um, for example, with physical activity, just 32% of Irish adults get the recommended, let's say, 30 minutes of um, moderate intensity exercise five days a week. So that's like a half an hour walk five days a week, and that's just under a third. Yeah, so there's a lot we can do, and that's not even measuring you know, the adherence to, for example, these recommendations about doing resistance-type exercise for muscle and bone strength. Um, so I think what something I try and educate on is the fact that sustainable healthy living it doesn't have to be as complicated as it can seem online, and the very basics um, of a healthy lifestyle give you a big bang for your book. Like another example is sleep. Getting between seven and eight hours a night is what's recommended, but we know that I can't remember the exact figure, but it's probably around the third mark of Irish adults that are about five to seven per night. Um, and we know sleep is massively important for physical and mental mm. health, um, and that's only, I suppose, very recent that sleep's become a huge yeah. topic. Um, so I guess that's the one thing I really try and hammer home with the education piece on the blog, is trying to figure out ways that we can communicate the, the real importance of just the basics of a healthy lifestyle. You know, and there's so many, like, I suppose, nutrition and fitness fads that people get caught up in, you know, and believe in maybe and um, I've been guilty of it too and um, it's hard to disentangle fact from fiction so that's something that I'm really trying to do um, within the realm of public health and it's great because my work now informs the learning for what I want to share um, like for example my master's was um, public health and nutrition but my thesis was on shift work and like its effects on dietary habits and physical activity so that's brilliant because a lot of people that follow me are healthcare professionals and would work shifts and yeah. I know myself how challenging it is to try and be a little bit balanced and healthy while you're doing your body clock is like totally inverted. So it's nice to be able to integrate that as well into to sharing things. So bringing in what I take doing every day as a doctor into the blog and into the posts I do on Instagram, that's kind of the driving point for me as an educator, I think. I hope. Anyway, you have to learn and you really have to learn because Sometimes I'll go too deep into an article, like I was writing during my master's on 
um, like I suppose the concept of, uh, not the concept, sorry, the, the emergency, I suppose, of climate change and looking at our dietary choices around that. And obviously there's myriad ways we can try and help the environment, um, not least of which is what we eat. Um, but it was interesting and I felt like I was writing a lot about it and really passionate, but I had to pull myself back and think, okay, well, what is the message here? What's going to be actionable for people? You know, as opposed to going too deep into the science and trying yeah. to keep it relevant, you know. Um, and I think people need it in lots of small steps exactly. as well. Yeah, which is one of the things I wanted to ask you for my audience. Can you mm. give them three tips that would help them to improve the health of the nation and to, to cook from scratch? And it might necessarily yeah. be the cooking, but three tips yeah. for the health. I think I'll try and relate them from my own perspective as well, because it's something I try and do with the blog. The first, as we've mentioned, would be um, if you are particularly if you're one person who looks after one person, if that makes sense listening. Because I know you do a lot of cooking for families and things yeah. like that. Um, if you're trying to figure out a way to build, I suppose, healthier eating into the week, I suppose look at the week you have and look at um, you know, when you have time to cook and when you can bank some time. So if your Monday to Friday is crazy busy, it's a 12 hour a day, do you have a few hours in the weekend or even just one hour where you can make one big pot and freeze a few portions and at least you know, you're taking a bit of time back for yourself, or even doing some of the the chopping prep beforehand, um, and you don't have to, you know, it takes the fat, but not the fat, but the the extra steps out of cooking maybe during the week. So that's probably one tip is to think about meal prep a little bit, yeah. meal preparation, and try and like fire in a load of servings of vegetables if you can. Um, and I have a few recipes in my blog that try and help integrate that, as you do as well. Yeah. Um, the second thing I think would be to look at um your uh, sedentary time during the day okay. so how much time you're spent sitting or lying down even but um, how much that is over a day like I think the average for Irish adults is somewhere between five or maybe just over six hours of sitting per day and we know that physical, physical inactivity isn't good for us but we also know that large volumes of uninterrupted sitting time aren't good for our health either so trying particularly for people who have office jobs like I do now trying to build little movement snacks into your day so maybe it's just getting it for 15 minutes at lunchtime or if you have an extra stop you can get off um, on your bus or your train um, or just even getting out in the evening now that um, hopefully the clocks went back maybe it's morning sort of brighter I can't remember <laughs> but trying to just get a few That's minutes of activity yeah into your day and um, because we know even just light bursts of activity um, throughout periods of sedentary time are actually really beneficial and help offset some of those um, health effects of, of being too sedentary. So trying to build a bit of physical activity into your day um, and it's saying people have probably heard this so many times like oh try and take stairs or try and get off the bus to stop early but they actually work like we know that the, the studies show that they do benefit our health so that's something I'd say as well try and look at not so much putting pressure on yourself to hit the gym or to get out running or whatever like if you enjoy those things brilliant but just try and build more movement into your day as a whole um, and then finally I would say try to limit social media time um, it's something I'm really conscious of now as someone who has moved out, I don't live in a busy house full of my family anymore. I have more time in my own head and my tendency sometimes would be to just pick up my phone and suddenly half an hour later and you're looking at videos of cats and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so trying to maybe switch that off um, or not dive into your phone in the first maybe 30 to 60 minutes at the start of your day and the end of your day. Um, and just try and take a little bit more time for your thoughts and to sort of reflect on how you're feeling, how your day's been. And um, can be really helpful for stress management to not be spending time taking in what other people are saying. Um, yeah. So trying to limit social media time, I think, 
is a good one, starting with the starting and end of your day. It's great. Right. Okay, so yeah. we've got the, the meal planning. Yeah. Okay, I can check yeah. that. I'm doing all right yeah. on that one. <laughs> and we've got the movement. So yeah. I tend to break my work day into hours, and mm. in between each hour, I might do a quick walk around the block yeah. or something like that to try and get the movement yeah. in. So, and then walking to school, etc. Um, and then we said the third one was the screen time. So yeah. yeah, what I do is I try not to double screen in the evenings. Yeah, it's so hard. I know. But I um I don't have the phone in the bedroom or anything. And for the last half hour, I would kind of do a breakfast practice, or okay, I would yeah. uh, read on my my Kindle. So Brilliant. Yes, and in the morning, I tend to set my to do list for the next day, the day before. Okay. So when I get yeah. up, I don't look at my phone for the first hour. That's brilliant. So yeah, I already yeah. have planned my most juicy bit that I'm going to do yeah. in the morning, and yeah. I don't look at my phone until that hour is done. It's so, so important. Like, there's a great book called Digital Minimalism. If anyone is um, a bookworm like myself, by a guy called Cal Newport, okay. um, he also wrote Deep Work. But Digital Minimalism is about how addictive or how potentially addictive social media apps can be, and how they're designed to mm. pull us in. And like in, during the book, they're likened to slot machines where you just keep going back for the potential of more and more, like likes or comments or follows. And as someone who uses it to share information, it's very easy for me to spend too long in it. But for the average user as well, it's really, really important to just try and pull back a bit of time to just hear what you're saying, you know, yeah. what your thoughts are. And also, I suppose, particularly at night, um, you know, we know that the, the blue light that our de mm -hmm. these devices emit suppresses our sleep hormone melatonin and can really affect the quality and quantity received so it's a double bind for your book it's a little bit more and um, so it's probably benefit for your mental health and uh, better sleep as well which is good all around great and i'll pop yeah. that book in the notes whatever yeah definitely so um i have a question that i like to ask all of my uh, oh, yeah. interviewees okay. what would you choose for your last meal oh i'm very sad that i have to pick <laughs> <last meal. laughs> um oh god what would i pick okay so i'm a huge fan of um Maybe I'm not sure what the right cuisine that I'm trying to express is, but I love kind of like mezzo style dishes, so like yep. kind of falafel, hummus, aubergine, that sort of thing. Middle Eastern. Middle Eastern, Eastern. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so my last meal would probably be a big selection of all of that. So I'd get falafels in there, there'd be some toasted pita, some greens, maybe some roasted aubergine, um, with what else would I put in there? So a big platter like that, definitely. And then for so that's that I'll just put that as a main and a starter. All, okay. all, all <laughs> right. Um and yeah, the yogurt on top, maybe yeah. a tahini as well. Pomegranate. Pomegranate seeds, yeah, definitely <laughs> go full on. And then dessert, I'm really basic with my dessert. I'm more of a savory than a sweet person. So okay. like it'll keep price like a Greek yogurt, dark chocolate, berries. That would suit me. And everyone's going to say that's so boring. Um, maybe a bit of salted caramel grizzled on top. But <laughs> I love that as a dessert. Yeah. Would you have a drink with that? Do you know what? I'm not a major drinker. Um, not sorry. That's probably not the right way to phrase that. I, I wouldn't. I don't miss alcohol if I don't have it. It's probably better. But it could even be a kombucha or a kefir or a yeah, nice herbal tea. It doesn't have to be. I'd have a spiced ginger tea. Nice yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> great. Well, thank you very much. It's been fantastic to chat with you. Would you mind letting um, my audience know where they can find you if they would like to? Uh, Definitely. And thank you so much for having me. It's been great to have a chat. Um, so people can find my blog www.theirishbalance.com and the Instagram handle I use is at the Irish Balance, all lowercase. 
Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, so if you want to get in touch, just, um, as they say, slide into the DMs. Um, I have a Twitter and Facebook, but I use them a little bit less. Um, and the podcast is the Irish Balance podcast, and it's on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, um, are the main platforms. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for being here. No worries, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode of Cook, Eat, Nourish. I'd be really grateful if you could rate and review this episode to help me spread the word. For more information, pop over to my website, fionasfoodforlife.ie, where you'll find lots of recipes, tips, videos and blogs. Thanks a million. See you soon.